This is another parable of Jesus in the 13th chapter of Matthew. He told them another parable saying, A man went and planted a mustard seed in his field. Though when it is planted, it is the smallest of the seeds. It grows and becomes a large garden plant, a tree where the birds can perch in its branches. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. I'd have to ask what Nona asked the children, which is, can you think of anything that starts small and gets larger? And we can think of a lot of things, both organic and inorganic. I was thinking about the time a few years ago when a number of us who were pastors went to uh, the corporate headquarters of Southwest Airlines to their uh, training and indoctrination day for their employees. And one of the stories that they drill into their employees is the story of how Southwest Airlines got started on a napkin in a restaurant with, with just a, a a few planes discussed connecting a few cities in Texas. And, of course, it grew and it grew. Another of my favorite stories comes from Italy a few years ago where 87-year-old Giorgino, whose, uh, whose wife had died and whose grandchildren had grown, put an ad in the local paper asking if anyone wanted to adopt him as their grandfather. Responses came in not only from all over town, he ended up with thousands of responses and offers from across the world. But my very favorite story of something that started small and got much larger than he could have possibly imagined is the story of Larry Walters in Los Angeles, California in 1982. Larry's lifelong dream was to be in the Air Force and to fly, but because of his vision, he wasn't allowed to do that. But he came up with a solution. He became a mechanic, but went to an Army-Navy store and bought a number of surplus weather balloons, 30 of them. And he filled them with helium to about four feet in diameter. And he attached them to his lawn chair, which he named Inspiration One. Now, the plan was this. He was going to go up and hover about 30 feet over his backyard. He had a six-pack of beer, a few sandwiches, and a pellet gun so he could, you know, put out the balloons and let himself down. Well, when his friends cut the tether on the uh, weather balloons tied to the plane, he went up. And he didn't stop at 30 feet. He didn't stop at 1,000 feet. He didn't level off till he hit 16,000 feet. And he found himself in the approach corridor of LAX. And finally, some Delta Airline pilots radioed to the control tower what they had seen. Well, they got a little nervous by this time, and he began to put out the um, shoot out the balloons. He came down in Long Beach, and he landed on uh, power lines, and he cut out power to Long Beach for about 20 to 30 minutes. When the police found it, they arrested him. And his only response he could make to the police was this. He said, well, a man can't sit around and do nothing. Well, sometimes when you do something, it gets bigger than you might ever imagine. Sometimes in a good way, and maybe other times in a not so good way. Well, think about this. Jesus' movement started with just 12 men who lived with him and a number of women who followed. Didn't look like very many at the time, but today it stands at over 2 billion people. Started small, 
grew really large. And whether it was as large as Jesus uh, expected, I don't know, but it certainly must have been larger than his disciples. Because if you go back to their time, picture this. The disciples look at each other and they see there are 12 of them. And they see thousands of Roman soldiers occupying Israel. The disciples look at each other and they see 12 of them and a few women. And they see thousands of people who are sick, who are poor, who are hungry. And they must think that their movement isn't going very far, are making much headway. I believe it's into this situation that Jesus tells them a little story. It's a story about something with which they're very familiar, a mustard seed. Mustard seed, as Nona showed the children, is so tiny that I could fit literally hundreds of mustard seeds in my hand. But when you plant the mustard seed, and it grows, it can grow to 10, even 12 feet high. And not only does it grow large, it pretty much grows and becomes unstoppable. You can't kill the mustard plant no matter how hard you try. I have a friend in Florida who describes a similar situation. I don't know if you've dealt with it, uh, but if you've heard of kudzu, they have kudzu in parts of Florida, and they just can't stamp it out. In the same way, the mustard plant became the kudzu of Galilee. You just couldn't stop it. Once it took hold, it would grow and grow. So Jesus told them this picture with which they're very familiar. And then he added this. He said it becomes so large, it's like a tree. And the birds can perch in its branches. Now when he tells this, he's departed from the picture. And he's plugged into something that they know better than I would know or probably you would know because they know their Bible so well. He is referring to passages in Psalm 104, Ezekiel 17, Daniel 4, which talk about uh, shade that's provided and the places that are provided for birds uh, to build nests and find shelter. And in each of those uh, stories, it's talking about the coming kingdom, the coming reign of God. So basically what Jesus is saying is, yeah, what we got here is pretty small, but it's going to grow. And not only will it be unstoppable, it will be eternal. The things that you do now, which don't seem like much, will go on forever. He tells them all that. And just one little picture, one little story. Well... I don't know if you're like them, but I feel that way. I need that. So often I get involved in situations, and the situations seem so much bigger than my meager efforts. And I seem to be trying things, and it doesn't seem to make much headway. And I just wonder, is it any use? I look at how small my efforts and the results and how large the problem is. Have you ever been there? Last week I told you about Dietrich Bonhoeffer in Nazi Germany in the 30s. One of his colleagues with the Confessing Church underground in Nazi Germany is a man named Helmut Tielicke. When he gets out of seminary, his first church underground in Nazi Germany is a very small church. And he, he, he calls for a Bible study. And they're in the basement of the church. And at his first Bible study, six senior citizens show up. And they don't make it in there very quickly. But they make it in. So he's surrounded by these six senior citizens, and he looks out the window of the basement, and he sees jackboots, hundreds of them, young, strong, powerful men in uniform, all marching in service to the Fuhrer Adolf Hitler. He looks at the hundreds of boots that go by his window, 
He looks at his six senior adults, the window with all the young men, his Bible study group, and he wonders, why do I bother? What difference can this Bible study for six people who can't even lift a weapon, what difference will that make? Have you ever wondered if your efforts would make any difference at all? Maybe you feel like the missionary couple I read about in the 1960s. They'd spent more than 30 years of their life in, in, uh, in very uh, deep, difficult uh, jungles of Amazon. The number of converts that they had in the years to Christianity could probably be counted on your hands. But finally, after 30 years, they called it a career. And they made their way home and they landed in the airport in New York City. And back then, you'll recall, when when you got off the plane, you ended up right on the tarmac. Well, as they were coming down the stairs of the plane, they noticed there were thousands of people who had gathered to greet the plane. Turns out the plane was also carrying a famous British rock band coming to the United States. And teenagers were clamoring and calling for these four guys to come out and answer the call. And no one called the name of the missionary couple. No one there for them, not even an extended family member for this childless couple. And as they walk down the stairs, he looks at his wife and he says, look at this, thousands of people, and nobody even calls our name and knows we're here, not even our extended family. She put her arm on her husband's shoulder and she said, well, don't worry, because one day, They'll call your name in heaven. Well, that's probably right. But while you're here on earth and you're just overwhelmed, that may not be a lot of comfort. But Jesus was trying to speak to that situation and say, look, things are not what they appear. There's always more going on in the kingdom of God than meets the eye. Things are growing that you have planted, whether you know it or see it right now. Appearances, Jesus wanted to remind his disciples, can be very deceiving. It appears we're not making headway. It appears that the Romans have won. It appears that poverty and sickness will have the last word. Jesus knows better, and he wants his disciples to get a glimpse of that. But I think there's something else going on here, too. Jesus is speaking also, I think, to the tendency that disciples and people like us have that basically we're not content to plant small seeds. We want to go ahead and stick a large redwood in the ground. I think it's true of Americans, especially American Christians, that we think that if big is good, biggest must be best. And so everything from churches to programs to discipleship, we want to plant at its full height and growth. And we get disappointed. And we almost despise the small things. And yet Jesus would have spoken to disciples who lived in a world where the two greatest and most important people were these two. One was a guy named Caesar. He ruled the entire world from Rome. And he was great. And he was big. And he was powerful. But there was another man who was also big. The local ruler or king, his name was Herod. Herod's desire was to become known as the greatest builder who ever lived. And he built nine palaces in Israel. All nine of them were larger than the palace Caesar himself had in Rome. Herod was big. He was tall. He was powerful. 
And you almost wonder if Jesus is pointing out disciples, we've tried that. That doesn't work. We don't want to go that route. It's not about how big you can be. It's about how can you plant seeds of faithfulness and love and let God give the growth. I think Jesus was reminding them of the dangers of pride and the dangers of thinking only really big matters. Come big or don't come at all. That sort of attitude. And Jesus was saying sometimes the smallest things planted and left in the hands of God are those things that really last. Think of Mother Teresa. Jackie read a quote from Mother Teresa today. Remember what she read? Mother Teresa said, we can do no great things. We can only do small things with great love. Mother Teresa shows up in Calcutta. She doesn't show up to make a name for herself. She finds people in need, sick, dying, outcast, and she starts to minister to them. And more than one, she starts to minister to lots of them. And most of the world has no idea what she's doing. To finally a British journalist goes to India, finds out about it, publicizes Mother Teresa, and the whole world comes to know. But she didn't set out to be big or famous. She set out to plant seeds of love, which she did, and in the hands of God. They multiply and they grew. And I think that's what Jesus is trying to tell his disciples. It's about taking your seeds, planting them in love, and letting God do with them what God will. I I had the great privilege in 2006 to go to West Africa, Liberia. I met a woman there. They called her Mama. Mama, uh, there was 15 years of civil war in Liberia. Her husband was killed by the government soldiers. Uh, Her sister and her sister's husband were killed by the government soldiers. So Mama was left with three children to raise, but then she was also left to raise her sister's three kids. She took them in. She loved them, began to raise them and care for them. She did it in such a way that other people started dropping orphans off to her. Soon six grew to ten, to fifty, to a hundred. When I was there in 2006, she was up to three orphanages with 700 orphans. She didn't set out to do anything big or great. She started by planting a seed of love. And last I heard, it was still growing. 